Remember what it was like going to a blockbuster? Like they they had the new release movies and they were only available to rent for like a day or two because everybody wanted them, right? They were they just came out. And that was back when movies took, I swear, like 5 months to come out on DVD after they were in the movie theater. Um they had those big TVs that were constantly showing ads for movies that were upcoming or movies that just released. And Blockbusters had an abundance of snacks and candy, right? Like, there was a makeshift line, almost, when you would get in line. It was, like, made of the candy, like, arranged in a way that you would have to pick something out on your way out. And that candy was, like, 30 times the price that grocery stores would sell it for. It's crazy. Blockbuster, you've been gone for a decade and will never forget you. Welcome to Motor City Hardball, presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Brandon Rothenberg, and I'm so excited to bring to you this podcast. So, what is Motor City Hardball? Well, it's it's not your typical baseball podcast, right? I'll be talking about the Detroit Tigers, as well as what's going on around Major League Baseball. That's a given. Some episodes will be just me, and other episodes I'll have on different guests that'll vary week by week. I also want to focus on more of the -the out-of-the-box ideas, if you will, right? Like, each episode isn't going to be, well, who should the Tigers sign and free agency, but each episode will be entertaining in its own unique way, and I'm so happy to finally get this up and running. So, a couple of things to note just right off the bat. Uh, I want to give a huge shout-out to Eli Weil, a.k.a. Eli Wheels, for creating the theme music for Motor City Hardball. I've known Eli for all my life. We went to kindergarten, through middle school, through high school, and we've done so much together, all of college. He now resides in Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, where he's furthering his education at the one and only Blackbird Academy. Definitely something you should check out. I highly recommend you do so. So, Eli, thank you for all your hard work. I owe you a chicken finger pita from Leo's when you're in town next. And I'm very much looking forward to doing so. Uh, Next, episodes are going to be released every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That is every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. So that would be 12 p.m. Pacific if you're lucky to be living in some warmth out on the West Coast right now. And 2 p.m. Central Time. If you're somewhere like Chicago, the Windy City, right? It's a perfect time to take your lunch break. Turn up some Motor City Hardball and walk over to Lou Malnati's Pizza. One bite, everybody knows the rules. You might be wondering, what was up with that blockbuster bit in the beginning of the episode, right? Well, the beginning of every episode, I'm hitting you with a blast of nostalgia. Quick bits of something that you haven't thought of or seen in years. Because honestly, who doesn't like to reminisce? And finally, on today's episode, we welcome Jake Provisor a so-called baseball connoisseur and MLB The Show professional, onto the show. Jake likes to think he's an MLB The Show professional, but unfortunately, he is not. The interview I have with Jake, though, is great. I really think you guys are going to enjoy it. We talk about everything from reminiscing on back of the days when we used to play youth baseball and back in high school. We're talking a little bit about the Tigers Uh, AJ Hinch coming to Detroit. What exactly does that mean? I don't want to spoil it for you guys. You're just going to have to listen to it 
for yourselves. So without further ado, here's my interview with Jake Provisor, and I will see you guys next Wednesday on Motor City Hardball. Jake Provisor, I'm so happy you are here. This is the first episode of Motor City Hardball. Uh, Jake and I, for those of you who don't know, we go way back, back in the days of house baseball, which we're definitely going to dive into, uh, North Farmington Baseball, uh, MLB The Show. We basically are two guys, I would say, within the West Bloomfield area, between the people that we know are the biggest like inclined people when it comes to baseball you feel free to correct me if i'm wrong yeah out of our group of friends out of our out of our collective acquaintances yes we are us two are the ones that know the most discuss it the most and actually don't get bored watching games whereas most people will so jake uh like i said i'm so happy to have you on motor city hardball i wanted to start you off with a question uh, and that is, what was the better baseball video game? Is it MLB The Show or The Bigs? Oh, The Bigs. Oh, I haven't thought about that game in a while. Uh, it's got to be The Show for me. I mean, you come in, PS4, MLB The Show 20, and you got players, you got cards from every year. A signature series, Miguel Cabrera, Cy Young, Justin Verlander. They have players for every team. Except for the Blue Jays, really. Sorry, Toronto, but Detroit for life. But the game is it's, it's very immersive. I feel that it has not only perpetuated my love for baseball, but have just really just been there, always. And the show consistently just has great content, get players to play. And apart from developers like EA Sports, San Diego Studios does a really good job of, like, putting out good content. You don't really have to spend money if you don't want to, to have a good team. And you've spent a lot of money when it comes uh, yeah, a lot yeah. of real U S dollars to make your team the best it can be. But I, so I wanted to, to add this was that, uh, for those of you who may not know the bigs, there was two games in the series. There was the bigs and then there was the bigs two. Now the bigs was only released up until I think like the PlayStation three and like xbox 360 and Wii and all that so we haven't seen one since like there's no bigs on the ps4 as far as i know there are no plans for the ps5 now i think that this game would be incredible if they remade it today the graphics back then were awesome but the gameplay mechanics were like by far really annoying or really incredible like remember how you get like how how it worked right there was a point system where you'd get like a hundred thousand points and you got points based on making nice plays or hitting a single double triple list goes on but it would be ridiculous like you would hit a for sure home run and it would get robbed by like the highlight play where like it slows down in slow-mo you know like there was times like you yeah, loved it, yeah, you yeah, hate yeah. it and it was such a love-hate relationship uh and i feel like that was a big reason why people hated that game yeah, I feel like the bigs just it it almost dramatized baseball in 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 the best way for me. I had so much fun. I remember that game, the one one of the covers Albert Pujols was on, and like to me, like when you have a game, when you have a baseball game, the cover athlete, like you're playing like a play, as much as I hate the Cardinals from what they've done to the to our Tigers in the past, like you got to go play with Albert Pujols and the bigs, like 
the man knows how to hit a baseball. You know how to play the bigs, and you're hitting yeah. dingers and if, all day. If you're logged regardless. enough and you still have it, which I do, I have it on my PSP, you can go back and, like, you play. And, you know, this game came out in, what, 2008, 2007, something like that? So those teams, like like you said, you have Pujols in his prime when he was on the Cardinals, you know, fresh, just starting up, but he was a beast. Uh, so many guys, Jeter, Aaron, like that Yankees team is ridiculous. Uh, you got Barry Bonds and the Giants. Like so many of those teams were amazing. My job application with MLB The Show. So this was last year. Um, I found the job on LinkedIn. Basically, it was like a broadcasting. It was like the the job description was somewhat broad, but it seemed like you were going to be working and assisting with the broadcasters in the game. So Maddie, Maddie. Matt Vasquez, and they added Dan Plesak. Uh I can't think of Heidi Watney. I know they added an MLB 20, but regardless, you're working with the the first time I saw Heidi Watney in MLB 20. I was like, yes, <laughs> you were yes, hyped. Heidi. You were glad to see her in the game. Um, I, so I applied for uh, this job and as a part of the application process, they sent me back an Excel spreadsheet. It was blank. Uh, they wanted me to fill it out. And I clicked on it. I was like, well, what, what is this? I'm no good with Excel. And I opened it up, and it was basically descriptions of it wanted me to fill out, like, play calls, unique play calls, such as uh, batter intros, pitch setups, uh, game intros, hit calls, home run calls, and it wanted me to like create my own scenario. So here comes Kristen Stewart in his third at bat of the game with two strikeouts. Hopefully he doesn't get the gold. <laughs> <Sombrero>. yes. <laughs> yes. It was literally that. And I, I thought, wow, like this is the coolest thing that I'm ever going to have to do. So I wanted to complete it that night. It took me like seven hours. Um, and I put it together and I actually, like as a part of the application process, this was like the second stage and I made it past the, that second stage. So I, I didn't get the position, unfortunately. And it, it would have been, it would have been on working on MLB 20. So this was last summer. Um, but I just want to give you a, a couple of examples of what I did. The, the coolest part in my opinion was it gave uh, a section where it wanted you to create your own scenario. Uh, and I did about like 20 of these. So just taking a look. Uh, so the, the setting is huge home run Marlins park. And the description is that ball was crushed so far. It's on the way to Atlanta. Look out pretty basic, right? <laughs> nothing crazy, nothing crazy by any means. I'm sure you could probably do better on that one, Jake. Standard home run call. I would be ecstatic to call one myself, but I was not fortunate enough to have an opportunity to write stuff down, but you are much more poised to be in that position than I am. I wanted to get a little more creative, and I decided to do a scenario where Verlander would be thrown out, attempting an inside-the-park homer. Uh, and that description goes, so now it'll be Verlander who will have a chance to swing freely here as he hits a line drive down into the right field corner. This goes all the way to the wall. 
Harper chases after it as Verlander rounds second, headed to third. Harper throws the ball back to the infield, but overthrows the cutoff man. The ball is going to roll all the way into the outfield. Verlander is going to try and score, and they're waving him home. And Rendon's throw to the plate is in time to get him. Oh, man, you can't make this stuff up, which ironically I did. (laughs) And coincidentally, those two guys are not teammates anymore, uh, Bryce Harper and Anthony Rendon. But I just figured it was a cool uh, little glimpse to give you guys into what it really takes to make that game. Uh, And, Jake, I know you can relate to this. It seems like every year the broadcast thing, the commentary is always the same. They never change anything up. Yeah, it's so general. Like, yeah, I think it would be so cool if they actually had, like, player-specific things that happen. Like, if one of my – like, for instance, you had a home run with Jacob DeGrom in the game, and it's just, like, a normal home run call. Like, fuck no. Like, that's a – that is Jacob DeGrom hitting a 395-foot home run. Like, it's not going to be a normal home run call. But yet, there we go, Matt Vaskersian going, 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 gone. Like, I need a little bit of excitement in my blood when I'm hitting it. I like his – he's got a lot of excitement, though, Matty V. He, there are great ones. Out of, there are great out of calls, anyone but... that I can think of, like, famous play-by-play guys, except for Dan. Like, Dan Dickerson's home run call is, is always crazy, no matter the, the scenario. Um, Matty V, though, always goes nuts. And I love – Yes, it's crazy. It's like, I I don't know. Like a lot of guys, you know, they have their, like, Sia is the Yankees. I can't think of his name right now, but the the Yankees play-by-play guy. Like everyone has like their own unique call. I feel like Matty V's is just him like screaming, going nuts, but I love it. (laughs) Oh, who's the the Angels guy? Drive home safely. And that is a drive home safely. And he does the, and that is a, Big fly to center field. Mike Trout's home run. And every, like, I literally, I watched like a highlight, although Mike Trout highlights a little bit ago. And literally, every home run is just, and that is a big yeah, fly. Big fly. So, I don't, he, he does that. The Angels play by play guy. The Pirates guy, uh, he says, uh, oh my God, it was just on the tip of my tongue. Uh, kissed something Jolly Roger. You know what I'm talking about? I can I can hear it. I can picture it. Mm. It's like cannonball coming into McCovey or McCovey Cove is San Francisco. Into uh you know oh, what I'm oh, talking fuck. about, right? It sounds so Yeah, familiar. I can't think of it. I can't think of Very it. Very much on the tip of my tongue. Obviously, uh White Sox Hawk Harrelson, uh you can put it on the board. Yes, that was so annoying as well. I hated that call. Especially when we were playing them. <laughs> Yeah, facts, facts. But definitely some iconic calls out there. I actually had uh, a summer where I was doing color commentary. I'd never done it before. This was with the United Shore Professional Baseball League. If anyone is familiar, Jimmy Ooh. John's Field. That was a blast. Ooh, Shout out Jimmy John's Field. Number you can 10 hear my voice club. in the suites, in the bathroom, and live streaming on YouTube. It was pretty cool. Um, and I People pay money people, to go into the stadium money and hear, to hear my voice. It was a blast. Not really to pay my voice or to hear my voice, but it was it was no, still no. a lot of fun. Well, that's one thing I love about like local broadcasters is like you watch the Tigers, like you got Jack Morris on, like do, doing pitching analysis in every game. So I'm like watching, like they know so much about the players, and you have like these veterans, these like all time great Tigers. Like you got Jack Morris there, one of our best pitchers ever, just like. 
talking pitching mechanics, like mindset of a pitcher going on, and you just get like you hear something that is so familiar, like, and that's why I like listening to like broadcasts more for like local stations than when it gets to the playoffs and like getting picked up nationally because the broadcasters know these players, they know their stories, and like the home run calls and everything. It just it, it's a it's a whole experience when you're watching a local broadcast. Yeah, for a baseball I, team. I totally agree. I mean, I think of Joe Buck as being the guy who covers every MLB postseason, you know, game. And, yeah. I love Joe Buck. But it's just, it's, it's different. I, I've always wanted, I really like this point you brought up, by the way. I have always wanted, like, the hometown, the, the Fox Sports Detroit guys, right, or the Fox Sports West, whatever team's local uh, affiliate play-by-play guy, I want that crew calling their playoff game. Typically, you can hear them, you can hear it, the, the radio will be the same. Right, like the radio mm-hmm. uh, affiliate for whatever team will be broadcasting that game, that playoff game. Um, I don't know what it will. Maybe if we made I, the playoffs, I don't see why it's such a challenge for that to actually happen. Right, because if anything, it makes it ma- yeah, it's because yeah, networks, but it makes it easier. Networks need to get it jobs. makes Joe Buck's life easier. He doesn't have to go call like, the easier. World Series in the NFL game like back to back days. Like it, I don't know. I just feel that it would be a lot easier and most fans would prefer it that way that they hear their own. So, ne- so next season when we win the division yep. and we're going into the playoffs, I will write a letter to all the national broadcasters. And I will say, put our guys on the broadcast. It's not a bad idea that there's no harm in doing that, Jake. And I'll help you out. Yeah. They'll listen I'll help to me. you out. I'll help you write that letter. <laughs> Strongly worded. So, I wanted to get into our baseball careers because I know that the listeners are dying to hear how we played, how we were athletes growing up. Um, I wanted to not toot my horn, but toot my horn in saying that in my first baseball game ever in house baseball, I pitched and I struck out like eight guys in a couple of innings and that was it and I was hooked. I immediately knew right then and there that, okay, this is my sport. I played soccer for six years. I was fat. And (laughs) I ran back and forth because that's all soccer is. And I scored one goal, and I was like, no, screw this. Got into baseball, and I loved it. What was your story? How did you start? So uh, this is interesting because I was just talking to my dad about this the other day. But he said that our first game of coach pitch, I got hit in my forehead with a ball, which to this day, I have no idea how this could happen. He said, I started crying and I ran back into the dugout, but I never gave up, but I never gave up. So little, little old me, eight years old, six years old, whenever you play coach, but it's probably yeah. eight to 10 getting beamed by my coach. Who I should have charged him out at that point, but he probably had like a hundred, 150 pounds on me, but yet there I was. At my lowest. <laughs> your lowest of lows in your sports career, in your baseball career. And I came back. And then ever since then, I just, I don't know, I I remember playing, like, house ball, like, coach pitch, kid pitch. Once we got, like, once we started, like, actually going up against real pitchers, I just, like, I always really had a love for the game. I, I could hit the ball. I never had a great – I had a strong arm, not a very mm. accurate one. But – I don't know. It was always something that I, I always loved the Tigers going to Comerica Park as a kid with my grandpa, with my dad, just like being around the environment, watching games on TV whenever they were on, just 
just always being involved with baseball. It's always been a part of sports to me when I think of sports. Like, I've, I've always been a fan. I think that every kid – actually, let me rephrase. I don't think. I know that in house ball, uh, every outfielder, they never caught the ball. They never caught a fly ball ever. Oh. And this is something – that thinking about now was it was actually the case. Like I swear to you, Jake, we've played countless games growing up, right? As a kid, obviously things change as you get older and you get to high school. Like high school baseball, sure. These kids have crayons in their pockets instead of <laughs> seeds. Like what do they expect? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure they had crayons, but these kids, like no one ever caught a, a, a fly ball in the outfield. I can remember, like I can attest to this. And there were four. There were four outfielders, not a single. You had a kid in left ball. center, a kid in center, a kid in right center, and a kid in right. And you could still get away with hitting doubles, triple, whatever it was, because how are you hitting gappers with four outfielders? Because kids couldn't catch the ball. No, exactly. exactly. So I don't. I like. I actually remember being taught how to catch a fly ball, and I was told that you hold your glove as if you're like a waiter holding a tray of food right so if you're listening at home right now you can try this out yourself uh i used to think of it like that right and that was how i was taught um it's almost a little weird it feels like your arm is like too too far bent backwards um i was not a fan of the outfield though like so in in high school i played i was primarily a pitcher and when I wasn't pitching, I was in the outfield. So I'm a lefty. Um, typically in baseball, most lefties uh, don't get the chance to play in the infield other than first base. Just That's just how it goes, plain and simple. For the viewers that may not know baseball, lefties can't play the infield because it takes like half a second more for them to turn their body around and face first base. That's like the ideology Correct. behind all of it. For me being what like five six i never had the chance to play first base because as a lefty you can play first base no problem but i was so short that i never got the chance and like the kid who was playing first base for us um he was like on the basketball team pushing like six eight six nine in high school so i was tough and i was never gonna have any light of day at first base and i was pissed like i went and i bought barracuda will barracuda will was that was north but at Harrison, for me, it was John Raxroth. Oh, I mean, okay. beast, yeah, yeah, yeah. beast. Went on to play yeah, basketball massive, at Grand Valley. Massive. So I had I had no choice to play the outfield. Sure, I had I definitely had an, an error or two in there because it's hard. I would much rather field a ground ball than field a fly ball. What do you think? I so I was pretty fast. With, growing up playing baseball so i used to play a little bit of center um but it, w it wasn't really my cup of tea like i could get to the ball fine but like my adhd like me being in the outfield like sitting there just waiting like i get jittery get a little nervous like fly ball get hit like i'll run no matter where it was going try to like take it like back up my left fielder before the ball got there but i, I played infield pretty much my entire life strictly third base like nothing i love more than just cleanly feel yeah, no, i always wanted that i always wanted to feel like robinson cano right i i yeah. always wanted that feeling of turning a double play i never got to experience that i remember 
when we were at North and we we were this is like JV freshman year, your sophomore year when I was at North and the varsity coaches at one of our practices are like turning double plays. He walks up to us. We like only know him from tryouts and he goes, "All right, we're gonna turn double plays. Uh, can't do it in under two seconds. You're getting moved to the outfield." I shit my pants. Brick falls <laughs> out of the bottom of my pants. Like fuck, like. I, I don't want to go to the outfield. Like, I want to stay here and turn double plays. When we're sitting there, like, I'm looking around everyone. We're like, oh, my God. We didn't even, like, no one even taught us how to turn a double play fast. Like, what's going on here? We're sitting there getting time. I Thank God I was partnered up with well-respected shortstop mm. Jimmy Doig. Jimmy, yes. And we turned those double plays very – we turned the double play very quickly, and I got to stay in the infield. Thank you, Jimmy Doig, if you're <laughs> hearing this. Um, I – it's funny that you mentioned the whole like two second drill thing because there were so many instances where coaches had these like horrible, I, I don't even know, like, like where do they get these idea from this drill from sort of thing? So it, I used to have, we used to have to do fingertip push ups, and this was like in the, in the middle of a game and now, so th- this is like a story I was told. I used to have to do fingertip push-ups, but the year before uh, me, so this was like when I was in eighth grade. So um, those kids had to do anytime they made an error, they all had to do fingertip push-ups in the middle of the game at, at their position. The coach would tell them, and this was at the the JV level. Okay, this wasn't varsity, uh, and they there wasn't a freshman team, so. In the middle of the game, anyone makes an error, immediately, like, 10 fingertip push-ups. You know how embarrassing that is? Fingertip push-ups? Significantly worse than running poles yeah. after practice. <laughs> you, got, you, got the, you got public embarrassment. Like, everyone's taking off their mitts. Like, everyone's doing their shit. Like, yeah. what's going and on? You, you are doing fingertip push-ups. I, I'm so glad I never had to do that because... It's incredibly embarrassing, and running poles is really is is tough too. That's that's a workout. Honestly, the first time I was told what running poles is, what running poles was, I was like, "Oh, this can't be that bad." And then it's like one pole is there and back. <laughs> oh, okay. I I kid you not, I couldn't even run like five poles without being uh, without On wanting a to warm die. Warm summer day, there's there's no way. Uh, yeah, there's no chance no way or like the wind sprints like we if we we used to we had a coach jb uh omit his name for now good call but we used to have to when we won games he would make us do wind sprints when we won games you don't you never why would you punish your team for he well when we lost we'd have to do wind sprints and then like we we'd be like like shit like we don't want to do more wind sprints we got to win games like that was our only motivation was we didn't want to do these wind sprints, <laughs> wind sprints. that is so stupid <laughs> i've never heard of it. never never i played i played football for my first years in high school too like i've done conditioning everything like never have i ever ran, ran wind sprints playing baseball wow like one game we made like two errors, but we won by like five or six runs, and it was like, all right, we're on ten wind sprints, five for each error. It's like, what? what? Excuse me, I'm in metal cleats, like I'm in the out, like you want me to? I don't know. No, I hear you. I we still came in first in the division that year, though. So props coach, to coach. 
whose name is omitted Coach. for the wind sprint, right? I mean, maybe it motivated you in all the right ways. And now you're just realizing yeah. that. Um, really cool was when you received the game ball, right? And there was times, there was times where you knew that you were going to get the game ball. Rarely was there an occasion where like you thought you were getting the game ball and then wham, like coach hands it to someone else. Or getting no, no, the worst, yeah, snub, a snubbed game ball that, that digs yes, into your Yes, and shit. that, like, why? I mean, that that should realistically that's a rare scenario. Um, I actually have a good story about a time free, I got share, snubbed please, please. from a game ball. Playing at this uh, this church field, eleven uh, mile, 10, 15 minutes from my I house. Exactly uh, I kid you not, it was like my first ever home run. I hit a, it hit the yellow, it hit like the yellow uh, casing on top of the fence, dead center field. It was like, I don't know, it was a small field. It was probably like 230 in dead center. Hits the yellow thing, gets off. I hit another one that hit just the fence on like a line. Like two of the, the most solid contact hits I've ever had. I was like, I was playing shortstop. Like usually I made some errors. I had some this like weird throwing mechanic in my arm for like most of my career, but I made like an error. We won the game. I had like... I'll probably almost hit for the cycle that game, to be honest. Like, a couple RBIs, dinger, like a triple. Like, I used to have the gr- – I used to be pretty quick. I had the green light no matter what. Like, my coach didn't even have to give me a stealing sign. I used to never get caught stealing. I was like a young Ricky sure. Henderson. Yeah, almost. you had the 99 speed, right? You were just unstoppable. Yeah, I, I, yeah, unstoppable. So, we win the game. We're feeling pretty good, loosen up, walking to the – walking to our circle post game, and – uh one, a kid on our team had a sacrifice bunt that game. And I remember in practice we're talking about the team, the team. Uh, we're learning about sacrificing bunts, getting, making sure that we can score and, and playing your role. I thought I played my role well with of a dinger, but but I guess it wasn't good enough for a game ball. You go, you go zero for three <laughs> with two sack and you bunts. Get the you game get the game ball. ball. I well, the, it's bunting. You know, that. I never attempted to bunt i don't think ever ever yeah really it bunting is actually really hard to do i would think now especially yes. if you're facing like high velocity kids in high school imagine someone throwing like 80 miles an hour and you are attempting to lay down like a perfect bunt okay they're bunting and getting a ball in play is like not it's 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 definitely way harder than people think. Laying down a good bunt in competitive baseball is incredibly difficult, and it blows me away when there are good bunters in the MLB. Can you try bunting a ninety-seven mile an hour fastball or a slider? You don't know where it's going. You're bunting before the pitch is even being thrown. Like, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how it's done. It's it kind of reminds me of. Like, well, no, I was, I was going to say it kind of reminds me of like chipping and golf. Cause a lot of people don't want to practice their short game. They don't want to practice chipping and sometimes like they're good at it and sometimes they're bad. But I think of like bunting as that one thing that you never practice, but like somehow you're good at it and yeah. you can pull it off. No, it's too much hubris. You gotta, so you gotta, I've, or I've, maybe some. There's some natural bunners out there, just with really good hand eyes. Sure. Or it's just luck, right? It could just be luck. Yeah, it could be luck. 
Well, that's like that. Well, I don't. The luck argument. It's a slippery slope because there are a lot of people out there that think that they could hit a major league pitcher's fastball easier than they could like score a goal playing ice hockey, which I think is pretty ludicrous. As a as a example to support my claim, <laughs> me and Brandon went to our high school baseball field to go hit some baseballs a bit earlier. Earlier over the summer, over pitching. the summer. Yeah, over the summer. Uh, hitting some balls, some live pitching, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Two kids that have played baseball their entire lives. I could barely get good contact on a single pitch. And I was, and I, yeah, I haven't swung a bat in a few years, but I could barely get contact with a single pitch. And there are people out there that think they could hit. I, I, I forgot. I saw a tweet. Like some guy was like, I bet you that I could hit a home run if I saw a hundred major league pitches in a row. Really? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I need a, I should find that tweet. But are you serious? Like who in the right mu- do you know how ignorant you have to be to think you could hit a 97 mile an hour fastball like 340 feet? Yeah, there's like there's... without ever swinging a baseball bat. No, I went to uh, the I was at the batting cages like over the summer. It was the first time I'd been in the batting cages in forever, and I went in like the 70 mile an hour cage like just to see if I could hit a ball right and. It was coming in like so fast. It was ridiculous. And that's like 70 miles an hour. So picture what? 25 miles an hour more. I mean, these days the average fastball is by far the fastest it's ever, it's ever been. Like remember when Joel Zamaya came up and was like the only guy that could throw a hundred miles an hour. And it was a really big deal. Yeah. It was crazy. I was so excited whenever he would go and pitch. And now I feel like at least every Every bullpen has to have at least like three guys that can throw like consistently touch a hundred. I don't even think that I could hit a home run if I saw like like two hundred pitches, even if it was fucking Kyle Funkhauser on the mound. <laughs> even if you have a position player on the mound, right? Like if the Tigers are getting destroyed, and so you throw in. Uh, Remember Will Rhymes? I saw that <laughs> yeah. name the other day. And I I remember he was actually a guy who came in into one of those games where it was like the Tigers were getting mercied. And he threw a knuckleball, which is crazy. That is you crazy. see, I mean, guy, you know, a lot a lot of position players like sometimes you'll be surprised, like they'll throw hard, like they'll throw gas, or in the Will Rhymes case, uh, they're throwing knuckleballs. But Talking about bullpens, Jake, um, I wanted to break down the Tigers season last season, considering this is a Detroit Tigers podcast, and we have spent a solid chunk of time uh, glamoring about how well we used to play back in the day, (laughs) um, to no one's surprise. But first things first, we saw some good things. We definitely saw some bad things. And last season was unlike anything else that we'd ever seen. So starting off, our bullpen was surprisingly good. For years, the bullpen has been horrible. Our bullpen's been terrible, right? We've gotten lucky over the years with a couple guys 
that have a good arm. Mm-hmm. Like Jose Valverde had a couple really good seasons. Yeah. That was it. Then he was trash. Oh, I used to when he used to come on the mound like later in his tenure with the Tigers, I used to get so nervous. It was he always made it interesting. Like always made things interesting. And sometimes he'd get out of the jam and other times he would just I feel like the majority of the time, like his blown saves, he never surrendered. He never like gave up a lead. Like he always allowed the team, the opposing team, mm-hmm. to tie the game. I feel like that was like the majority of his, his blown saves, if you will. Yeah. Who else? Who else we had? We had Fernando Rodney for a little. Fernando Rodney was was tough. Just, I mean, a lot of these guys are so similar, right? Like Fernando Rodney, Joel Zamaya. Uh, Todd Jones, Joaquin Benoit was really good. Yeah, he was. But obviously, everyone remembers the grand slam he gave up to David Ortiz, <laughs> which we hate to think about. Um, but over the years, the bullpen has just been horrible. And it, this last past season, we saw some good stuff. We uh, some good a, stuff, a lot not of, great stuff, but good stuff. Yeah, and a lot of improvement from guys um, that had tougher seasons, if you will, in the past. Um, two guys that come to mind, Jake, was Greg Soto mm-hmm. and Buck Farmer. I used to hate when Buck Farmer would come in because he, he did, like didn't bring anything to the table. He's probably like the worst name in all of baseball, <laughs> and he would, he always got shelled. But he had a really good year this, this past season. Yeah, and, I feel like most of the time when he would get on the mound, I'd feel a bit more stable than uh, – like I thought that uh, like Ho- Joe uh, Jimenez was going to be like a dog out there and he kind of let me down. Um, but like, I mean, for most of the season, I feel like we went to our bullpen for like a solid like four innings for like the vast mo- – four innings at least for like the vast majority of our games. I feel like our pitchers didn't go our, – our rotation never really went that deep either. Yeah, a lot of the majority of our starting pitching, like Turnbull was the only guy that had quality starts and was, well, I shouldn't say quality starts, but was like one of the guys who had at least a handful of outings where he went the distance, at least six innings. Yeah. Right? Minimum six innings. He was the only guy to like consistently do that. What about Matthew Boyd? Matt Boyd was that guy in the past. The golden boy. Yeah, that's actually that's a really tough scenario, considering there was discussions of trading him last year when he was on fire, arguably one of the better pitchers in all of baseball came out of nowhere. Um, I had I saw that we were considering like the Tigers and Yankees talked about potentially getting Glaber for Boyd at the time, which looking back on that now hurts so so like i i i get it we illich offered scherzer uh before he left like i think it was like six mil or six years like 140 million before he decided not to take his player option or to re or to resign it all and like mm-hmm. that season he had like one of the best seasons of his career ends up signing like a seven-year deal like 210 mil or something and just like so I think there may have been may have been a little bit of uh, of regret from that decision when like you see when we started to like shop Boyd around a little last year and like see what we could have got for him. 
and like not wanting to like fuck up maybe another potential like Cy Young award winner, like another really strong pitcher that we could have that like we haven't yeah. seen in a while in Detroit. Uh, but like you look, you look back on it and you have the, the guy who was supposed he was supposed to be our guy. Like Matt, Matthew Boyd was supposed to be our guy for this entire season. And like time after time, I was, I, I, I could almost not even watch like thinking about like what we could have got for him last year, just watching him like game in and game out, just being disappointing really, really got to me. The thing is, he's still young. Like he still has almost his entire career ahead of him. And for a guy like that to have one really good season and then one really bad season. I mean, like look at, remember Verlander, how there's really no words to discuss how amazing he was in Detroit. But after his like Cy Young MVP seasons, his velocity went down. He didn't look like the same Verlander that he was. And a lot of people were worried about him, right? Like, I was worried about him. I was like, shit, what happened to JV? Because we're so accustomed to him, you know, touching 100, 101 miles an hour in the eighth, ninth inning, yeah. lasting. And he was struggling. So it's, it's early still for Boyd. Um, we still are hoping for some potential from Michael Fulmer. We haven't seen anything great come out of him since he won the Rookie of the Year award back in 2017. That was a guy who, Jake, at the time I thought, like, wow, this he's like the new Verlander, right? Like, we, this is our ace. We're yeah. never getting rid of him. Aside from Cabrera, at least within the last, you know, 20 years, uh, he... Miguel Cabrera has been the only Tiger, the only guy. Well, he played for the Marlins, so I take that back. But the Tigers have never really had, recently, a player that stays in Detroit for their entire career. It doesn't happen very often that much in baseball these days. And the only player that I can actually think of recently is Jeter uh, and Mariano Rivera. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, though, we've seen guys come through where, like, I, I that's always the hope, right? It's like, wow. This guy's so good. I never want him to play for a different team. Honestly, I feel that way about Torkelson. Like I, I hope that oh, if he's Tork. actually Torque, if you listen to this, I cannot wait for you to be in that old English D at Comerica Park <laughs> for the rest of your career. Yes, right. But it's it's one of those things where I would hate to see a guy like that especially like Verlander started his career in Detroit right he came from the minors he was the last time we've had a guy come from our farm system to actually be great uh aside from getting someone in a trade like Cabrera I mean Dave Dombrowski man Dave Dombrowski made some crazy trades uh and and some really good decisions but I really want to see more from Fulmer he showed us nothing. He re- he showed us that he's con- continuing to struggle. He has been dealing with injuries. Um, Daniel Norris as well. I mean, I th- I think we got Norris for when we sent David Price to the Blue Jays. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, Daniel Norris was – he had a lot of potential. There was a lot of buzz about him. He was like their top three prospect, I think, and must have been considering we gave – up David Price, so we were expecting something good in return. Um, I really want to say he was their number one guy, Daniel Norris. Yeah, well, um, who was our like, who was our pitching coach, Jeff? 
uh, not Jeff Jones. Um, Rick Anderson? Yeah, Jeff? he was before Rick Anderson. He was with, like, Susan uh, yes. Berlander. But Berlander uh, Rick, apparently, Matt. what I had heard about Rick Anderson was that he, like, takes a very, like, old-school, like, traditional pr- approach to pitching. And I don't know. I feel like... Uh, when when you're when you're a pitcher and all you're doing is pitching and you're and you have the same coach day in and day out, like there, I feel like I'm I haven't been a pitcher, so like step in if I'm if I'm crossing any if I'm crossing any lines, but like mm-hmm. I feel like your pitching coach, like especially when you're in the major leagues, like has a really big effect on how you're going in and your mindset going into games and just like your general like scheme, like going in and like how you're going to pitch to these batters and uh we had a lot of young talent. And we have a lot of these older guys who like, or like for instance, Matt, yeah, I said some, I said some not nice things about Matthew Board, but hmm. apparently the young pitchers in our organization really look up to him, and he's like a big voice in that bullpen, like day, day, day in and day out, just like really being there to be kind of like a role model to these guys. You got Tarek Skubal, you got you Tariq Skubal, you got Casey Mize, our savior, Casey Mize. <laughs> Uh, you love Casey Mize so much, it's ridiculous. Casey, but Mize who doesn't? I mean, look will at that, win that splitter. Cy Young. I hope so. I think he will at some point in his career, and he will throw a perfect game or no hitter. Fingers Hopefully. crossed. Knock on wood. Um, but. I'm not sure. We're, we're going to get a new pitching coach, some guy who hopefully is going to be there to develop our young talent. Because I mean, you have we brought up we we brought up we we brought up Scooble, we brought up Mize, and like we got Matt Manning waiting waiting in the farm system to come up. He's on the forty man roster. Like he's gonna get he's probably going to get brought up next season. So did you do you know that the Tigers got a new pitching coach? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yes. Who I'm is sure he? Though? You knew. So it's it's Chris Fetter. So he was the pitching coach at U of M oddly enough, Jake, the, uh, currently enrolled in the university alumnus, machine, go blue. but currently enrolled fifth year student. Um, so we, we got Chris Fetter and from what I had read into was that a lot of teams had been trying to get this guy to, to join their team. Right. So to leave Michigan and step into the world of major league baseball for a long time. AJ Hinch somehow has that connection, him being who he is, and brought him on board with the Tigers. And it's really exciting considering this is a guy who has spent the majority of his career working with young pitchers, right? And guys who uh, obviously have potential to make it to the major leagues, to go to the next step. So he has that experience. This is obviously the perfect time to have a guy like Fetter come along because the majority of our, uh, you know, glorious prospects, if you will, in the farm system, a lot of that is based on pitching and there's so much young talent and so many young arms that have yet to reach the majors. Or like you said, Tarek Skubal and Casey Mize, um, that showed us a little bit of what they got. How did I not, how did I not know? I definitely heard the name Fetter. I didn't really make the connection to Michigan, but we had like three pitchers that were drafted in the first like three rounds of the draft last year. Like Criswell, who's playing for the A's. Um, Tommy Henry, who's playing for the Diamondbacks. And then uh, Carl Kaufman, Michigan native, who's, uh, who got drafted by the Rockies. So 
honestly, has a ton of upside, a lot of potential, and that makes me really excited. Jay Cronenworth went to Michigan too. Played yes, at Michigan. He did. Yes, he did. And now so he's on the Slam Diego Padres. Within the last three years alone, Michigan has produced several major league uh, ready guys, if you will. So yeah, that's right. a really that's something that's really uh, under. I want to say underrated, but yeah, it's definitely underrated. Like I think most fans, like your average Tigers fan, would see that right signing like a, a a new pitching coach, hiring a new pitching coach, and being like, okay, like whatever. But in this case, I feel like a a lot of the time, like the Tigers staff, if you will, like the coaching staff, it's just been like old guys. I mean, there's nothing against that. I'm not saying like that's a bad thing, but I, I think it is a bad like thing. This... You think so? I think that with young talent and baseball being this really old sport with so much like tradition and unwritten rules kind of just like in, incinerated into the backs of these like older coaches and like older GMs and and these and these people that have been in the league forever, I think it's it, I think it's imperative for teams to like really tap into their younger like players and their younger like portions of the team and just try to like like I feel like development is gonna be at the end of the day you're making moves in the off season that aren't developing your players like it's expensive and it's gonna be expensive and you can take risks and they won't be able to pay off and. There's so many possibilities of things that that can go wrong when you sign a free agent, like Jordan Zimmerman, for instance. Like, right. So being able, I think, development and like harnessing your young talent when they're at their most eager and are driven to kind of be the best baseball players they can be, I think is. So, Jake, my question for you is. It seems that we're we're so deep into this rebuild, right? Like it doesn't even feel like a rebuild anymore. At least it, it shouldn't be, right? Like I feel like we've, we're breaking out of it. Uh, a lot of our young guys that were underperforming initially, that changed, right? We saw that change last season. Jamer Candelario, uh, he had himself uh, a year. He ended up finishing with a two ninety seven batting average, right? Uh, Willie Castro also making a name for himself. <laughs> 349 batting average uh 36 games so at this point are the tigers do you think we're gonna go ahead and uh go after someone in the market to replace someone like a jamer candelario even though we've seen that he's has this potential all of a sudden or are we just gonna stay put and and see what he could bring to the table I don't think uh, our off-season moves should be focused around replacing the guys that have performed really well in last season. I think we should focus on, um, I don't know, maybe an outfielder, someone in the infield. Like, if we don't sign Scope uh, second, like a second baseman. Mm-hmm. Um, if Torque gets moved up, it play, you could even play him third first with Jamer either or. Um, I think there's a lot of other places, like we – Add maybe another veteran pitcher of the rotation. Add a guy in a bullpen, like a clo- like a like a closer, someone like that. But I know there are a lot of, of big free agents this year. I'm I'm just curious to see uh, what Alavila and what AJ Hinch are gonna are gonna try to do in the off season. Right. There's there's a lot of questions up in the air. Questions up in the air because we've seen guys like like Nico Goodrum is not. He doesn't have a solidified position. Right. He he can pretty much play anywhere in the infield. He can play in the outfield. 
Castellanos was a little bit like that. But it seems like there's so many guys on this team that have the ability to play so many positions, which is great, right, in its own right. Yeah. But at the same time, I think we need to really solidify a a solid lineup and solidify our defensive positioning because we have guys on the come up like Torkelson and Riley Green in the outfield that would possibly make room for if we send Jacoby Jones, you know, on his way, uh, even though he's, he was, he performed great last season, but it, I feel like we got to make a decision. Best nine hole hitter in the league. Yes. He was, dude, he was on fire. Like Jacoby Jones honestly came out of nowhere. And then when he got hit, I remember when he got hit on the wrist, and the way he reacted, he was, it was, I was it's heartbreaking. Devastated. I knew immediately. I was devastated. Yeah. You knew, you knew what was, you knew the end result. Um, the, something that we don't think about per se is how COVID had an effect in terms of uh, revenue, right? And, and it's going to be really interesting to see how teams end up spending money uh, this off season, right? Because there's a pretty good mm-hmm. crop of free agents out there, obviously Trevor Bauer coming in at probably the, the best pick uh, along with DJ LeMahieu, George Springer has been a lot of rumors swirling around him. Uh, The Mets owner, Jake, I don't know if you saw this actually tweeted the new owner tweeted saying, Hey, like, who do you guys want us to sign? That's crazy. I wish it was, I wish it was that easy. Um, Nelson Cruz is out there. It'd be a really nice pickup for Detroit, but my question for you is AJ Hinch, right? He has this, he brings with him some baggage and arguably he's one of the best managers in all of baseball. Even though we all know what he did, he, he cheated. There's no denying that. And he was at the helm of all this. So with AJ Hinch now at the helm of the Detroit Tigers, how big of an impact does that have on big name guys coming to Detroit? Uh, I mean, my gut tells me it is not going to help us more than it's going to hurt us. Uh, I'd love to see uh, some guys really feed into this, like, redemption story that A.J. Hinch is bringing to the Tigers. Like, you got this team that is this, – this city that is really in need of a good Tigers team to really step up to the plate, be a playoff contender, and, like, be back to where we were in, like, the in, like a decade ago almost. And I think that – Maybe a better way to think about this, other than like being upset if we're not signing big free agents, is we have this young team. We have these guys that are that the ceiling is so high for our organization right now. Like so many guys in the farm system, like so many young talent, so so many young talents on the field right now, and just maybe even what AJ Hinge could do is try to sign these veterans to short contracts, like under like three year contracts, like guys like Nelson Cruz, like. Maybe even Michael Bramley. I don't know if any of the Astros are going to come back here, if that's going to be good. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, getting guys to Detroit that can be like this veteran leadership for these younger guys while they're still in like their prime years of development, not their prime of playing, but like while they're trying to build themselves up to be these great baseball players and like they're so eager and driven to be the best they can be, putting in these veteran guys to short contracts to kind of be there to – be like a voice of reason and role models in the in the dugout and the and the um and the and the clubhouse mm-hmm. for these younger guys. I think is important, and I think that is potentially much more of a feasible scenario in the off season for the Tigers than us signing 
these massive free agents um, as much as I would love to have them. I don't know if A.J. Hinch in his first year is going to be able to pull off a, a big free agent signing. Right. Well, this this argument really circles back to the idea of, you know, the, the Tigers didn't tank for five years down the road to, to spend a ton of money in free agents, right? Like, we, we didn't draft Casey Mize and Spencer Torgelson just to take them number one. Like, we hope that these guys are going to be big, right? We It's written about them. There's video. There's evidence that these guys have talent. And you obviously want all of those guys, you know, your top 30 prospects to succeed. The question mm-hmm. is... The, more so it's a test of how are these guys when they get the call how are they going to perform right you know we we talked about this earlier we saw how casey mize and Tarek scubel how they fared in you know what seven games this season um that it's not really a, a great sample size yeah and i mean it's also it, it has to be tough for these uh rookies that are in the farm system and get called up later in the season like during COVID, like they're not, it's, it's not a conventional um, process for them to be a part of right now. And I think that uh, there are a lot of little things that could have happened throughout the league and even throughout our organization that just like could have put a little hitch on uh, the development or like even the introduction of like these younger guys into the Tigers for this season. Um, I mean, I, we saw great things out of both Scooble and Mize. Like I've, the, Mize has the highest ceiling ever, in my opinion. Um, and I, w- I really would love to see them kind of, like, get more comfortable on the mound, like, really feel settled in. Like, they, they saw their big league at bats. Like, they were on the mound facing big league batters, which I think is the most important thing for pitchers to do when they get into the league. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just – I think that once a full season comes around, there are fans in the stands – hot dogs being sold <laughs> uh, and beers to be drank while these guys are out there on the field. I think like being in a normal environment, like really feel to really feel like you're in the big leagues is really important for all these younger guys too. I wonder what this storyline, like I wonder how people are going to view AJ Hinch. If let's say in the next two seasons, right? The, the Tigers, let's say by 2022, that we're actually in contention, right? I think I think this upcoming season is going to look a lot like what happened with the Padres, uh, their first go around when they signed Manny Machado, uh, and they brought in Eric Hosmer, right? Two big names, and you know they they obviously weren't going to make it right right away into the playoffs, but they still played well. They still played better than expected. Uh, and then obviously this past season they made it into the NLDS, unfortunately getting taken down um, by the Dodgers. So I wonder if you know if the Tigers are actually succeeding within a couple years under the helm of AJ Hinch. How will people view this? Right? Will they be happy for Hinch? Are they? Are I think people are still going to be pissed, right? Because people are mad that. Hinch is back in baseball regardless. Um, and it'll also be funny to compare over on the side of Boston and the Red Sox bringing back Alex Cora because the Red Sox and the Tigers are completely flipped in terms of mm-hmm. Red Sox lost Mookie. They lost David Price. Chris Sale doesn't look the same as what he used to be, and I think they're fully headed towards a rebuild, and they've decided to bring back Alex Cora. Definitely. 
whereas the Tigers are, <laughs> as we know, you know, hopefully on the come up. Yeah, I mean, I think if uh, if you see AJ Hinch take this Tigers team that have been uh, subpar to say the least in the past couple seasons and really turn turn the organization around. We end above 500 uh, next season. I think people are going to start thinking, like, wow, like we have a story on our hands. Like AJ Hinch, like may have not, may not be like the piece of shit we thought he was, and he's doing a lot of good things with this Tigers team. And I mean, actions speak louder than words. Like you can say, like you you can say how sorry you are about everything. You can address what happened, but at the end of the day, like when you say that you want to be a better man and you say you want to be a better manager and get back and show the fans of major league baseball, the manager that you want and can be. And if he goes into Detroit and does that, I think heads are going to turn. Yeah. I, I hope it all works out honestly. And I, I think it will like best case. I mean, he's our guy now. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing we can do about it. I'm not mad. People are, but I'm not mad. I best case scenario think that he'll get a contract extension, right? Because I think they signed him to three years. Uh, not a whole lot of time. Like I, I think we're gonna be a good team past those three years. Like I, I don't think it's it's gonna happen right away, right? Um, and I think Hinge is gonna be successful, and I hope that they extend him, and. There is a chance, Jake, a chance that the Tigers could be somewhat of a dynasty team that we just don't really know about <laughs> because we, we have the talent. Yeah. We have the talent. Like if, if 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 they play up to their potential that we think they have, we have a very very good team of guys that are in their prime in the next like <laughs> five to. To ten years of baseball, like we have, we like we're a young team right now. Like we have guys that that have these really high ceilings, and it really there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of optimism right now, and I really hope that the Tigers don't let me down. It's going to be really competitive, though. Still in the AL Central, like always, always. the roles the roles are going to flip flop. Right, Cleveland, I think, is going to end up more so towards the bottom of the standings, even though they still have great pitching. I feel like at some point in time, Shane Bieber is going to sign elsewhere and make a ton of money. Same mm-hmm. with uh, Zach Plesak and possibly Tristan McKenzie, who looks like that guy's a twig, but he throws harder than you <laughs> and I combined. Crazy, crazy stuff he's got. He's got but a fucking arm. You got the White Sox, right? And we know what they're capable of. They just spent 170 million dollars last uh, last winter. So it's going to be a test. It's going to be a battle and it's going to take some time till we could really decipher if this team is, is really what people think it's going to be. But Jake, unless Tony, Tony LaRusso creates oh. a dumpster fire. <laughs> I thought, I thought you were going to say like, gets another DUI or something. I'm, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Look at this ring. Look at this ring. You can't give me a DUI. Yeah. <laughs> dude that's a crazy that's it's it's a great argument actually is is what do you think is like a worse scenario or not worse but like players because you have between the tigers and the white Sox, interesting managers and in their first time with these players right you have t- the tigers players are going to meet aj hinch for the first time who just dealt with the biggest cheating scandal possibly in all of baseball right in the history of baseball and then you have chicago white Sox players dealing with tony la Russa, who's like 80 
And it gets <laughs> and that's DUI. Ages by a year as the days go on. DUI, right? Like all this, he's known to be a, a racist guy. Like I don't know. You know, there's a lot of bad <laughs> talk about uh, about him out there. Like yeah, how are, how are they going to handle him? I think that uh, something in the White Sox organization, like you went over their heads thinking about like their team is they are they are young and powerful right now, and they mm-hmm. hired an old traditional manager which is like it can't it i don't know i don't know what was going through their heads can't be that may i don't know maybe their thought process was we're going to bring in this guy and he's going to really like learn like teach him what it is to be a winning or to be in a winning organization like you have a guy who's won like like 400 get more games than he's lost in his career like a well-respected manager who's been around for a long time being with this young team i don't think it's going to work um but we'll see do you think – because so I'm trying to think if there's been any teams that have done something similar to this recently, right? Like I, the Phillies signed Joe Girardi, right? They brought Joe Girardi mm-hmm. back out of retirement, but it's not he's not some old guy like Tony La Russa. Um, what if like a team decided to take – like get Jim Leland out of retirement? I See, I think that would be awesome. If, yeah. like, what, if, <laughs> what if the Tigers didn't sign A.J. Hinch? And interviewed Jim Leland and brought him back. Like that would have been nuts. Obviously, yeah, it's, been we're nuts. just you gotta love Leland. We got I got a soft spot for Leland in in my heart. You know what's crazy? I actually have a funny Leland story. Um, we so we used to get like Tigers tickets, um, and we would get the parking pass came with the tickets, and the parking pass was like for the Tigers garage where they park. So it was like a Sunday morning or something. We park. We're walking in from the garage. And I see someone wearing a Jim Leland jersey and like they're fully suited up. I'm like, that's crazy. And I realized it was Jim Leland fully <laughs> suited up. And he was like walking in from the garage into Comerica Park. And this was like an hour and a half before the game. I was like, maybe he left like his cigarettes in the car. So like, I don't know. I was, like, what are you maybe doing out here? Maybe to go to Lafayette, get two conies. Maybe. That's a great idea. I'm sure he's, Chili he fries. misses the conies. Jim Leland. We should go right now. <laughs> <laughs> Should we? <laughs> yeah. One time for the one time. Yeah, yeah, that was that was crazy. I should get a Jim Leland jersey. I'm sure you could find one still. They, I had like I have so many just like jerseys from all like these Detroit teams of guys that just like don't play in for the Tigers and or for any Detroit team anymore. I had like a Prince Fielder jersey. I had like a Ziggy Ansa jersey for the Lions. Like, you know, I was just like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with these. It's amazing how cheap those jerseys get after the fact, right? <laughs> like, you could go when Prince Fielder signed here in Detroit, like, a new jersey of his would be like, what, $130? Yeah, probably. And then he gets traded to Texas, and that day, it's like already marked down everywhere. Like TJ Maxx, yeah, like Jason Penney's. <laughs> TJ Maxx gets a hundred fifty thousand prints. <laughs> like save eighty percent. Seriously, it's like it's like uh, like sports video supply games. and demand. Yeah, it's funny how that works. Um, Jake, I seriously I can't thank you enough for joining, uh, being my first guest on Motor City Hardball. This was so much fun, and I would love Thanks to have you me. back soon. But before I let you go. One last little uh, tidbit of fun, if you will, here. Uh, every every year, for the last, what, like two, three years maybe, mm-hmm. uh, Taco Bell decides to give away a free taco, steal a base, steal a taco, and Mookie Bats has done it the last two seasons, right? 
As soon as someone steals a taco, uh, steals a taco, steals a base <laughs> in the World Series, everyone gets a base. So everyone gets a free taco. And it's a great idea. It's a great concept. Great way for people that really don't give a shit about baseball to be involved. Do you think <laughs> that if they did something differently, not Taco Bell, right? What would you want to see free given away instead of a taco? I would I would love to see uh, – if you ever watch a, a Tigers game, you Fox Sports Detroit, you get a lot of ads from a place that's very near and dear to my heart, uh, Arby's. Uh, <laughs> That's the best one. That's the best way very to describe good. it. Get it free, very get free curly fries every time the Tigers hit a home. Wait, what's the three home runs? Three, a fr- a free small curly fry every time the yeah the Tigers three, hit three, three or more home more. runs. Free curly fries. Yes, home. I have taken that to the bank multiple times. Uh, but what I would love to see is the nation as a whole getting acquainted with the Arby's beef and cheddar. The Arby's beef and cheddar. It is. Ugh. I might go to Arby's right now. It's disgusting. After we, after we're done here, it, dude. It sounds so gross. And you, obviously, we, you and I know this, but people listening, they don't. Uh, you have an obsession with Arby's, and recently, I, you always talk about the beef and cheddar. I went and I had it myself a couple months ago. Seriously, don't <laughs> listen, Jake. It's not good. It's like. It's just you don't even know what's in it. Like the cheese, I wanted more cheese on mine, and they they didn't have enough. So if if that was the case, you know, if if everyone got a free beef and cheddar, steal a base, I would hope that there's plenty. of I cheese would go to on every Arby's within a fifty mile radius and get as many free beef and cheddars as humanly possible. They, they're gonna know you by name. They're gonna I hope know they you do. By name. It's I simple. hope they do. I have a question for you. Okay. Okay. And then that, what, what happens first? Casey Mize, Cy Young, mm-hmm. Casey Mize MVP, mm-hmm. Casey Mize perfect game, or Casey Mize no hitter. So I'm gonna go out on a limb and say, and this is like really crazy. I think that Scooble and Mize throw a no hitter in the same season. Oh, and I feel like that. Part of me wants to say I feel like that's those odds are better than like Casey Mize winning a Cy Young first. I think it's going to take at least a no hitter for him. Let's get Vegas involved. You want to get Vegas involved? Yeah. Should we give them a call and see what they think? Yeah. Okay, because it's really uh, hello Vegas. Uh, <laughs> how many years until Casey Mize throws a perfect game and gets Cy Young? Next season. <laughs> next season. <laughs> and they said next season. Man. All right, well, you guys heard it here first. Jake saying that Casey Mize is going to throw a no-hitter, win the Cy Young next year. Let's hope. I, take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. Put your life savings on it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Right? If Vegas said so, right? Because you actually just called them. Yeah, let's let's hope. I think there's definitely a couple uh, Cy Youngs to be won. Uh, in the near future at the helm of the Detroit Tigers starting rotation. Jake, there's only one way to find out, and that is with time, my brother. And I wanted to thank you for spending the time with me today on Motor City Hardball. This was a blast. Thank you for having me. Uh, do you, Honored to be do here. Do you have any final thoughts? Any any last words? Oh, 
Okay, bye, listeners. <laughs>